Um, I wonder what you made of that Bible reading as you were listening to it. Um, Here's what the German reformer Martin Luther said about it. He said, This is a strange text and certainly a more obscure passage than any other passage in the New Testament. I still do not know for sure what the apostle meant. Well, we've had 500 years since then to figure it out. And I personally, as I said earlier, have been learning how to understand and teach the Bible for 13 years. Uh, But I have to say, some of the details in this passage are very obscure. But here's what I think the take-home point is. Here's Peter's main message today. When a Christian is persecuted, insulted, mocked, or opposed, that Christian should entrust themselves to Jesus and be ready to speak about Jesus. When a Christian is persecuted, insulted, mocked or opposed, that Christian should entrust themselves to Jesus and be ready to speak about Jesus because of the hope that we have in Jesus. Persecution comes in many forms, but it's always the same cause, I think. Christians get persecuted when our beliefs and way of living cause offense to the culture that we live in. We've seen in the news um, Christian medical staff or Christian teachers losing their jobs for publicly expressing their Christian views. And it doesn't have to be at work. Uh, You can express your views on social media from the comfort of your own home and still get the sack or a visit from the police. And how many Christian teenagers at school know that they can't say what they really think about certain things because otherwise they'll be bullied and mocked, uh, not just by students, but sometimes by the teachers as well. And in other cultures, the opposition can be, of course, much more extreme. In our country, opposition might mean insults or social pressure to conform, might mean you lose your job or your friends. In certain other countries, it might mean imprisonment or labour camps, and it might mean death. Now, what should Christians do when things get that bad? One option is to deny that we even know Jesus. Uh, Peter tried that in the courtyard outside the high priest's house when Jesus was arrested. Another option is for us all just to hide, to totally disengage from the world like we're a, a cult. And the scariest option, I guess, is to keep on standing up for Jesus no matter what it costs us. That's the option we're going to think about now. Have a look down with me at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, on page 1219 of these church Bibles. Peter starts by saying, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? You know, because usually people only get in trouble for doing what's wrong. But he goes on, even if you do end up suffering for what is right, you are blessed. That's what we're thinking about this morning, when Christians suffer for doing what is right, when Christians suffer because we refuse to deny Jesus, we refuse to keep our faith private, and instead we live joyfully and bravely as faithful followers of Jesus. Peter says, if you end up suffering for that, you're what? You're blessed. If you lost your job because of your Christian beliefs, you might think, oh, come on, God, that's a bit harsh. You might say, God, where are you? You've let me down. You might start wondering, what have I done to deserve this? Is there anything I can do to kind of make up for it? But Peter says, if that happens to you, God hasn't mistreated you or forgotten you, and he's not disappointed with you. You are, in fact, 
blessed. Remember the words of Jesus himself, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. We heard last week that our sinful desires are always seeking to get the better of us when we're weak and when we're hurting, when we suffer. But if you don't give in to sin, you don't deny Jesus, you bear up through even violent, maybe fatal persecution, you are blessed. But how do we do that? Some of us here are never really going to experience persecution like that. Some of us will. What's Peter got to say to you? He says, entrust yourself to Jesus and be ready to speak about Jesus. So first, entrust yourself to Jesus. Look with me at verse 14. Halfway through verse 14, he writes, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. It's a quotation from Isaiah chapter 8. It's from a time when Judah was facing an invasion from the north. And instead of trusting God, they decided to make an alliance with Egypt. And God spoke to Isaiah the prophet and said to him, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but set apart the Lord Almighty as holy, and he will be a sanctuary. He will protect you. And when fear creeps into your heart, along comes sin and it promises to find a way to save you, but it never can. Only Jesus can protect us because God raised him from the dead and installed him as Lord over every person or power that frightens or opposes us. To overcome fear, Peter says, in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Remember who he is. There's a guy in China called Wang Yi. He's the pastor of Early Rain Covenant Church. 200 members of his church have been arrested by the Chinese government. And he and his wife are serving a nine-year prison sentence for peacefully resisting the persecution of Christians in China. Now, in such circumstances, uh, you could imagine him caving in to some of the government's demands to compromise. But after his arrest, a pre-written statement was released in which he said this, Jesus is the Christ, son of the eternal living God. He died for sinners and rose to life for us. He is my king and the king of the whole earth, yesterday, today, and forever. I am his servant, and I am imprisoned because of this. I will resist in meekness those who resist God, and I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's laws. The Chinese government want him to serve the government, but he serves Christ. And even though he's been put in jail, he will not do what the government says is right, if it means doing what Jesus says is wrong. He doesn't give in to fear in his heart because he knows that Jesus, and not the government, is the Lord. So first thing to do when facing persecution, entrust yourself to Jesus. Second thing to do, be ready to speak about Jesus. Look with me at verse 15, halfway through that verse. Peter writes, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So if you're prepared to suffer, what does that tell people? If you stay joyful and content, even when you're going through the ringer, what does it tell people? It tells them, you've got something worth suffering for. Something suffering can't take away from you. You have a hope. So they might ask, what's the reason for your hope? Where's it come from? And what you then say, and the way you say it, may just turn them from slander to salvation. The reason we can trust Jesus when we face opposition or persecution is because he died, was raised and ascended into heaven. So when people ask us where our hope comes from, that's what we tell them. My hope comes from Jesus because he died, was raised and ascended into heaven. You don't have to have all the answers to any question someone might ask, but you should know why you can have such hope. Because Jesus died, rose and is seated at the right hand of God. Now, I was, I was trying to think of an example of, of when something, uh, someone has asked me about my own hope, when they've seen something in my life that's made them ask that question. Um, and uh, this isn't the best example. It was not a time from when I was being persecuted, um, but I was under pressure, a little bit of pressure. Uh, I was at university. It was the exam term. I was busy revising. Everyone was stressed. But I had a feeling of real peace despite the pressure because I knew that my future was secure. I knew my future wasn't going to depend on good exam results. That's what everyone else was worried about. If I don't get the results, I won't get the job. I won't get the money. I won't get the house. I won't get the... I wasn't worried about that because I know Jesus. I know what my future is. And one afternoon, I was outside my college and one of my friends in the year below, a guy called Luke, uh, he, he, he came around the corner. Um, he, and he, he knew that I was about to sit these exams and he saw me so he asked how I was getting on you know I was like, okay it was a coping and uh, I was able to give him a really cheerful response I guess some people was oh gosh I gave him a really cheerful response and as I walked away I, across the road and he shouted after me he said uh, how are you not stressed so I just shouted back because of Jesus as far as it went but it's a little example of how I was able to stay cheerful under pressure and he noticed that. So he asked me, how come you're not stressed? What, what's different about you? And that was my answer. Very brief, because I was walking away at the time. But I just shouted back, it's because of Jesus, which is absolutely true. But it's the same answer, even when a Christian faces really intense persecution. Where do we get our hope? It's from Jesus, because he has won the victory forever. And that's what Peter's going on to spell out in verses 18, right to the end of the reading. Have a look at verse 18 with me. Peter's told us to entrust ourselves to Jesus. He's told us to speak about the hope we have in Jesus. And why? Because in verse 18 he says, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And then if you skip over the page to verse 22, it says... And he has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. Here's what Peter's talking about. Death, resurrection, ascension. Now there's a lot going on in this part of the reading, including the bit 
we just skipped over, which is the bit that Martin Luther said is the most confusing part of the whole New Testament. Um, but there are some things here that are clear. Take a look at verse 18. Christ died for sins, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. This is the gospel. First up, it tells us what happened on the cross when Jesus was crucified. On the cross, the only righteous man, the only man who did not sin, the only man who was not subject to the wrath of God, he died for us unrighteous ones. He died for the very people who deserved to be condemned by him forever. He died for sinners. He died for sinners and he died for sins, which means uh, like Old Testament sin offerings, his death was a sacrifice to atone for the things that we have done wrong. What Jesus did for us on the cross was to complete the death sentence for our sins so that we could be forgiven. He died for sinners, he died for our sins, and he died to bring us to God. With our sins forgiven, we can be sure that God will bring us all the way into his presence to be with him forever. We can be sure of that. And we know that his death really did complete the payment for sins because Jesus didn't stay dead. Verse 18, he was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. The proof the cross worked is that God raised Jesus from among the dead and appointed him Lord over every power and authority, including death. Which means we're on the winning side. If we give in to fear and sin, we side with our own enemy. Entrusting ourselves to Jesus when we suffer keeps us on the winning side. That's why when you get opposition for serving Jesus, you know you can trust him. Even if you lose your job or go to prison, you can trust him. No matter what Wang Yi in China suffers at the hands of the government, he knows that Jesus has already paid in blood to bring him to God. So verse 18 shows us why we can trust Jesus. It also tells us what to say about Jesus. Why do we have hope? Because Jesus has conquered even death and been raised. Because if we trust in him, his death guarantees our forgiveness and his resurrection guarantees our resurrection. Do you remember how 1 Peter begins? Right back at the start, the first sermon we had on 1 Peter. Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What have I found that's worth suffering for? That gives me hope that I won't let go of? I found the resurrected Lord who died for my sins. And if you don't know him, he can be your Lord too, if you will turn from your sins and ask Jesus to save you. If we belong to Jesus, whatever trouble comes our way, we know we're on the winning team. And in verse 19, Peter says that after he was resurrected, Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison. No one is sure what this means, okay? But I think it might mean that after his resurrection, Jesus preached or proclaimed his victory over sin and death to evil, to evil spirits. He's let all his enemies, in other words, he's let all his enemies know that he has won. We don't know who exactly these spirits are that Peter's talking about, but Peter says they were disobeying in the days of Noah. Turns out that the story of, I didn't know this before, but the story of Noah was well known in the area Peter was writing to 
to the point that a little picture of Noah and his wife actually appeared on the back of certain Roman coins. But why mention Noah here? I think it's because he's a good example of a godly man who stood his ground in a godless society. He didn't give, fear in, uh, give in to fear. He didn't side with them. He entrusted himself to God and pledged his obedience to him by building that ark. And as a result, he passed through the watery judgment and came out the other side alive. And Peter says that's exactly like us in our baptisms when we became Christians. At a baptism, the person being baptised pledges their obedience to Jesus and entrusts themselves to him. And what happens? Uh, we see this especially at full immersion baptisms when you get the, the little swimming pool out and you dunk someone right under. They go down into the water like Noah and like Noah they come out again alive. And our ark that brings us through that judgment is Jesus. Baptism is a picture of coming through God's judgment by union with the only one who died for sins and rose to new life. Christians can often feel, you know, we can often feel like we're in the minority, especially these days, maybe at work, maybe at university, maybe in school or politics. We feel like we're in the minority sometimes. But the good news is we're on the winning side in the end. So you can stick with Jesus. Even if it costs you your life, you can be sure he will raise you up to God's right hand. Whereas it says in verse 22, all angels, all powers, all authorities, including the powers of evil that oppose us, are all in submission to him. If you are confident that Jesus is Lord over all, then there will be opportunities to talk about the hope that you have as you withstand whatever pressure comes your way. And you will be able to say, I have hope because I'm on the winning side. There is a judgment to come, but in Jesus I have already died and been raised. He's already paid for my sins, defeated my death, won new life for me, and now is reigning over all my enemies and he can never be defeated. That's why I'm not afraid. That's the good news I have to share. I am on the winning side and whoever I'm talking to, they can be as well. With our faith in Jesus, there is now nothing in all creation that can ever separate us from the love of God for all eternity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you, the righteous one, died for us unrighteous ones, dying the death we deserved, rising to new life so that we can be sure we are on the winning side and that you are in control over everything that opposes us. Please help us to stay faithful to you, to withstand the opposition we face and to speak about the hope that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.